Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast. This is episode 36, and in this podcast, I talk to Britt Murray, who's the first guest from Australia. You're going to find that out as soon as he starts talking. Britt has been speaking into the public forum for over 30 years. He speaks on issues of manhood. He is a motorcycle builder. If you're into motorcycles, he gets into some of that. He was an amateur boxer and tells a really great story at the beginning of this podcast about his time as an amateur boxer and why he got into boxing, which is really interesting as well. And now he and his wife, Teresa, their life's work is to make bullying history. So they started the Make Bullying History Foundation And after they established that, they have gone all over the place and had all sorts of accolades throughout Australia for the incredible work that they're doing uh, for young people to, again, make bullying history. So you're going to hear Brett's heart for men and families and marriage and God. And what he talks about in length in this podcast is really brought from a tremendous book that he wrote called Game Plan. So that was the kind of the backdrop of which I asked my questions So I know that you're going to get a ton from this podcast. At the end of this podcast, if this has meant something to you, maybe you want to go follow Brett on Instagram. Maybe you want to subscribe to the podcast. Maybe rate and give a a honest review on iTunes for this podcast. And then I will feature that sometime in the future because I like to feature those reviews as they come in. So thank you so much, men. I'm grateful for the journey that we are on together to become new men. And let's get into this conversation with Brett Murray and see how you and I can get into God's game plan. This quote is from our guest today, Brett Murray, and the quote is this, the more informed we are, the better equipped we are to face life. And what Brett says in his book called Game Plan is that God has a game plan for every one of us. And I'll just add this. We just need to get on board with God's game plan. Right, Brett? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the you are in Australia. That part is going to be a dead giveaway for the audience, but uh, at least the fact that you're Australian. Uh, but uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about your family dynamic, and I know that you and, and your family, you know, that's a big part of your story. So if you could unfold that for us. Yeah, sure. So um, my wife, Teresa, and I have been married just over 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sort of childhood sweethearts met when we were, I was, I, was, I think I was 19 and, and she was 17. And we got married not long after that. We've got a uh, a gorgeous 25-year-old daughter who is about to get married herself in the next couple of months. Uh, that's Hannah. And uh, my two sons are Joe, Ash and Micah. They are 22 and 21, respectively. Uh, the boys still live at home. And, uh, yeah, they, they are my everything. They um, Just the absolute uh, joy of my life, the, my reason for being. And I think because Teresa and myself both came from very dysfunctional families um, and, uh, yeah, less than less than perfect we sort of drew the line in the sand as young christians when we got married and said right not on our watch you know divorce wasn't going to be part of our our game plan and uh you know we were going to stick it out and create uh a, i suppose we wanted a, a dynasty in the sense of family we, we pictured ourselves being old and gray and having our children grandchildren and great-grandchildren sitting around the family table mm-hmm. so um yeah that's that's our uh, family dynamic 
Hmm, that's excellent. Yeah, there's vision there, right? It's like sometimes yeah. a, a vision is gained just directly by, okay, we want to do this and pursue this. And sometimes it comes through tragedy and we have a, a vision of something that could be and should be yeah. because of what's happened to us. Nice and definitely. I think it's awesome that you and Teresa, although, you know, both of you had, uh, you know, your, the path getting to yourself and just not a perfect upbringing, but yet by God's grace, that you you decided early on divorce is not an option almost you know just over 26 years actually my wife and I've been married just well over almost 27 years but wow, we're, a little, cool. we're a little bit ahead of you but uh, <laughs> yeah. but we could certainly learn a lot from you so um you know one of the things that that I saw about I saw in your work I just kind of looked at you and I think as long as I've been on Instagram with a new kind of man I've been connected to you and your bride and one of the things I just want to applaud you for, I said this privately, and now I'm going to say it publicly, you know, real attracts real. When I look at your stuff, it's your message is consistent with what I see with the family dynamic that's happening with you and Teresa and the kids. Kids are smiling, happy to be around you. Either that or you bribe them. Like here, if you get $5 for a smile, I don't know. Maybe with your sons who live at the house, you're like, the only way you're staying here is to smile in pictures. I'm not really sure. But I just give them food. Oh, hey, that works. That's right. That's right. So, no, but, it, but I thought that was just fantastic. And I wanted to have you on here. I know that, uh, that our audience would benefit greatly, not just from your book, but honestly, just from hearing part of your story. And yep. one of the ways that I wanted us to kind of open this up is, is talk about boxing. You have a history with boxing. So I, that's, I, I that's pretty rare. So why boxing and how did you get into that? Right. Well, um, I'll, well, just to give a backdrop to everything, um, a large part of our ministry or what we've been doing over the last sort of 17, 18 years has been anti-bullying, education and prevention, so speaking in schools. Reason being, I was chronically bullied at school. I was a late developer, so uh, and, and I share this with, with high school students, that I didn't hit puberty till I was like 17 and a half, so I would have basically left senior high still looking, looking like I was in like middle school. Um, I was, I was a, a very slightly built. And so, and I also had a bedwetting problem. So um, mm. all throughout high school, I wet the bed and, and in my school that I went to, it was an all boys Catholic school. And uh, we only went up to year 10. So the, 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 the final two years of high school were at a different school being private, kind of like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a private school. And um we had a boys camp and I had an accident in the bed and everyone found out about it. So this little pipsqueak of a boy who now is publicly humiliated because he has a bedwetting problem. And I was basically mm -hmm. a punching bag my final year of school. I didn't go on to year 11 and 12 because of the bullying. Mm -hmm. And so that tragedy, oftentimes, you know, it's out of adversity that our greatest strength comes. And mm -hmm. so I can unashamedly share these sort of stories. And, um, and I just thought I was a nothing and nobody. And so when I left school at the age of 16, uh, 15, I was 15 when I left school, moved out of home uh, six months later at the age of 16. And I just wanted to prove myself. Um, and I uh, didn't have a, rela a good relationship with my dad because mum and dad had divorced when I was 11. They, they split when I was nine, divorced when I was 11. Mm -hmm. And uh, 11 through to 19, I didn't see my dad, had no communication. I'm sure we'll probably dive into that a little bit later. But um, so I had no positive male role modeling. And so I just wanted to prove myself and walking, at, 
I'd lived out of home for a couple of or about two or three years, and at the age of eighteen, moved back home. Uh, we had we our, our nation, Australia, went through a, a recession, which is kind of like a depression, okay. and um, work was nowhere to be found. So I had to move back to the city because I'd moved away to the the coastal region of uh, south of Sydney, and um, so I needed to find a job. And on my way back, I found a job as a vehicle spray painter, got an apprenticeship, and I, walking home from work one day. I walked past this backyard gym and it was set up the boxing ring and all that. And I've always been a fan of Rocky and all that. Oh yeah. um, Now you're talking my language. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Rocky, Rocky's just been, that's my staple (laughs) every year. Got to go through all the Rockies. And, uh, and I popped my head in and said, Hey, um, you know, could could I start training here? And the guy said, yeah. And I just started training. Uh, it was, it was just before my 18th birthday. And, um, I said, I'll I'll look up. I just want to have one amateur fight just to prove, can I, can I fight? Long story short, I had to have mum sign off because in Australia, unless you're 18, you can't sign off yourself. You have to have parental mm-hmm. uh, permission. Mum wouldn't sign off. So I just started training, training, training. And then when I turned 18, I went, right, I'm doing this myself. And my very first fight, I got knocked out cold and um, mm-hmm. gave up boxing. And then at the age of uh, 21, I got back into it. A bit of unfinished business. By then, I was married and got into it, had five more fights, came second in the state. So I won four of those five fights. Mm-hmm. Coming second in the state meant I lost on points, which I reckon I got ripped off. And then then gave it up again and then came back at the age of 25. And in amateur boxing, that was kind of seen as a bit old. And, uh, yeah, won the state title. And, um, wow. uh, like, I was... I'd had 10 fights in total, uh, but my competition were guys who had been fighting nonstop since they were 15 years old, 14 years old. So I was fighting guys with records of 150 fights and I was wow. beating them. And uh, yeah. And then, and then at the age of 32, I came back out of retirement and tried to go for the Commonwealth Games in Australia um, in 2005. And um, uh, I, I got in the semifinals got beaten by a, a guy who was undefeated in the last four or five years. He'd actually never had anyone go the distance, which was five rounds in amateur boxing. I took him the distance and he beat me on a split decision. And he went on to not eat like two years previous, he'd knocked out everyone within two rounds. And after me, he knocked out everyone within the first two rounds, became the Australian champion, Oceania champion. He was in the Commonwealth games for 2006 team and he broke his hand. So the guy that he knocked out in the first round of the national title replaced him. Now, this guy couldn't take – the guy's name was Josh Jenkins. The, 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 the young man who replaced him couldn't go more than two rounds of Josh Jenkins. I took Josh Jenkins five rounds. That guy who replaced him went on to win the gold medal wow. in the 2006 Commonwealth Games. So I kind of retired thinking, well, I'm one of the best boxers in the – Commonwealth, that'll do. So uh, it was all it was all to prove myself. Um, mm. You know, us men, we 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 need to know, we need to be approved. And if men aren't being approved, they try and prove themselves. Mm. So uh, that was that little internal struggle. Um, but yeah, it taught me a lot. Uh, a lot of, got a lot of lessons out of it. But um, unfortunately, the boxing culture, the the culture around the sport, isn't isn't conducive of Christian behaviour. Let's put it that way. So yeah. <laughs> it was a brilliant experience and I've gained a lot from it. And um, it's a pretty cool thing as a bloke to say, yeah, I've been in the ring 10 times. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, and I, lo- I love the sport of boxing. 
but uh, any combat sport. But yeah, that's that's the boxing story, mate. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, once I read that in the book, I was like, ah, I think uh, I think the guys need to hear that. That that's just a really <laughs> cool story. You know, you said something that was that kind of piqued my interest. I am an an avid reader, and one of the uh, the authors that I, I read a lot actually is John Eldridge. And yeah. he says, uh, one of the things that he talks about is in the heart of a man, uh, that every man asks the question, do I have what it takes? Yes. yes. And That's one of my favorite you, little books. You have what it takes. Oh, look at that. I didn't even know that was a book. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's a, a little, uh, addition he's done for Wild at Heart. And it's just a, a tiny little book, but it's brilliant. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've only, and I've read Wild at Heart many times. And so when I read that, um, that really stood out to me because my story is kind of similar to yours in some ways, just, you know, kind of a, the upbringing was far from spectacular, had, had some issues. I had some self-confidence issues and I felt like I needed to prove myself over and over and over. And, and I was the middle, I am the middle child and both my parents divorced when I was four. So I became the middle child on both. So I was like, I felt like, you know, I, I was the quote unquote, you know, the unwanted stepchild. I wasn't, but that's the way I felt truthfully. Yeah. And so in that, in that scenario, it's kind of like what you were talking about, Brett. It's like feeling like you have to prove yourself. My question is this, don't you think sometimes in the heart of a man that that's a good thing though, is to kind of prove his, his, his manliness? I think it is because um, we don't want to be complacent or lazy I think it's, well, God's designed men the way we are. He's wired us with a certain uh, aspects to, Mm -hmm. to, well, there's commonalities that we'll find, you know, all the guys who are involved in men's ministry, I mean, you've been in men's ministry for years, so I'm not telling you anything new. But, um, yeah, the the commonalities we find having to prove ourselves, well, God's designed us that way. And, I mean, even I see this, with our anti-bullying work, we, we've done a lot of research and the number one influencer on self-esteem or self-worth is the father. That's mm. for boys and girls. But we even see this played out in the Gospels. Twice, Jesus was approved by his father publicly. See, boys get their identity and their self-esteem and self-worth mm-hmm. from a public declaration of a private relationship. It's their father's endorsement, whereas mm-hmm. girls feel valued and they get their validation from their fathers protecting them. So mm-hmm. girls need to be valued. If you've got something valuable, you protect it. When a father protects his daughter, she feels valued. Mm-hmm. But with boys, they don't need to be mollycoddled and wrapped in cotton wool. They want to be approved. They want to be pushed out there. Do I have what it takes, like you just said? Mm-hmm. And so we look at twice in the, in the Gospels, Jesus, when he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and then on the Mount of Transfiguration, what does a father do? a public declaration of a private relationship. This mm-hmm. is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. Listen to him. It's an approval. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an endorsement. And so if that's the way God's designed us, then I think we need to lean into that mm-hmm. and find the best way to find God's approval. And now mm-hmm. I suppose that that's where game plan comes in. If you, I just really felt like the biggest revelation I've had in my Christian walk of 30 plus years is surrendering to God. And, and that's countercultural to manliness. Don't surrender. You, you, I'll never give in. No retreat, no surrender. Right. But when we surrender to, 
to God, we actually enter into Christ's victory that he won on the cross. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we find out what's God's game plan for us and, and going to the biggest revelation that I've, I've personally discovered through the intimate relationship with God through Bible reading and prayer is that if you want the blessings of God, the key is obedience. Mm-hmm. And when you obey what God's called you to do, what he's made you to be as a man, you'll get that endorsement. You'll get that approval because you're doing what he's asked you to do. And he'll say, well done, son. Here, have some blessing. That's how it works. I mean, God doesn't, won't bless us. And I, I, I would stand toe to toe with any man and argue this. If you're not going to be obedient, God's not going to bless you. It's not that he doesn't love you, doesn't affect or impact his love for you or his acceptance of you, but he won't bless you if you're not being obedient. Mm. And we see that throughout the scriptures and, and Jesus even draws the lines. You know, what, fa- what, what fathers among you, if your children ask for a fish or an egg or um, a loaf of bread, give them a, a stone, a scorpion or, or a snake, you know, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give mm-hmm. good gifts to those who, who love him? My other translations give the Holy Spirit to those who love him. But it's, it's about a relationship and God wants to bless us, but he's not going to, fathers aren't going to bless disobedient children. So how much more would our heavenly father, mm-hmm. not that he's, you know, he disciplines those he loves. So mm-hmm. discipline isn't punishment, discipline's correction. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, there's so much we could dive into right there. But yeah, <laughs> you know, but that I, approval, yeah, we, we do need that approval. And I think we need to lean into it. Yeah. I love the, uh, the just the, the part in the gospels when Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water and then, you know, he hears those words from the father, you know, this yeah. is my son of whom I'm well pleased. And what's amazing is think about this, Brett, he hadn't done anything. So yeah. there's, there's a blessing apart from our doing. Now, yeah. I, one of the, one of the things that, that I read years ago and from a book called seven desires, he, the author, it's a, I think it's a husband and wife team. But one of the things that they drill down on is they say every human being has seven core desires. And I'm not going to go through the list of all of yeah. them, but I'm going to kind of cherry pick two of them. They yeah. say one of the things that they that they need is blessing. And so they right. use this this you know story of Jesus when God the Father is blessing him. He's saying, no, this is my son. So there's a blessing yeah. there. It's like no matter what you do from here yeah. on out, you are my son. Yeah. So it's in so it's based off blessing is based off of personhood. Yes. Where affirmation is based off of some sort of performance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's based on the relationship, isn't it? It comes right, right. back to the relationship. You belong. It's belonging. Yeah. Yes. And that's where I think that surrender is you know, in this world where um, you know, Christianity is you know, being attacked. Uh, by by, you know major left-wing media and all that around the world because whenever we associate left-wing we think of socialism communism stuff like that which was anti-god remove Mm -hmm. god and everything's about the state controlling everything and and that is influencing media across the globe and so um yeah the whole the whole idea of christianity and uh, and belonging to christ is being attacked so it's it's counter-cultural when we say no you you have a heavenly father who is real Mm-hmm. And you belong to him. You just got to surrender to that, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that truth. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the point. That's the, that's the, the, the point of decision and commitment that we, mm-hmm. all of us need to face mm-hmm. uh, at one stage of people run away from it for, for years. But once you get to that and, and you've, you surrender, oh man, 
you and I both know that there's no turning back. You wouldn't want to go back. Absolutely. The, the life of just relationship, forget materialistic stuff, just knowing that you have a father who loves you and will never leave you nor forsake mm-hmm. you. Game over. You know, that's, that's yeah. all you need really. When you, when you had that revelation, not just head knowledge, but heart felt belief. Yes. Uh, it, it changes the game forever. And I, I love in the, you know, you look in the New Testament and you look at all the promises in specifically in the New Testament. And then you you look at the, when the promises come together, you look at the life of Jesus that's promised to somebody who surrenders to him. Yeah. And and then with that, this to me, and, and we can talk about this, Brett, and I think that this is consistent with game plan. It's yeah. through Christianity is the only way for a man to be fully integrated. Oh, the only yeah. way for a man to to be united with with body, soul, spirit, and mind, for yes. all of those things to coalesce together. And I think it's only through the Christian walk can can a person do this. And when we become integrated in that yeah. way, it sets us up for God's great game plan. So I was hoping oh, that you could kind of tell us what was the main message that you wanted to get out? What was in your heart that you were just wanting to shout from the rooftops when you wrote this book? Oh, well, it comes out of Psalm 139 and um, the, the Jewish scholars say that the Psalm 139 written by David is the greatest, most perfect Psalm ever written. Mm. And, and, and we know it and we sing it, we, we hear it preached, but there was uh, several verses that really stood out. I'm, I'm just going to read it here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, I'm going to start from verse 13. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex or fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Now, verse 16 is awesome. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That there was, he knows my game plan. He, he's got a plan for my life, Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm-hmm. Behold, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, Ephesians two ten yeah we are the the work was it I can't quote it exactly but for we are we're God's workmanship created oh, in Christ Jesus the good works of service that He prepared in advance for us to do exactly bingo that's the one <laughs> so they all they all tie in and uh, and it was the the message I wanted to shout from the rooftops is that God's made you for something now I mentioned before that I'm a spray painter by trade so I've worked in the automotive industry and something that. Uh, I've done now, which is reaching out into our men's ministry. I've created a, a partner together with another guy who's a Christian, who's a custom motorcycle builder. So we've started our own brand of motorcycles, and um, they're called the Murray Brawlers. Where are you going? Is my beautiful wife Teresa? Hi. Hello. <laughs> going for a walk. This is Chad. Hey, Chad. Chad, Chad hey. follows you on Instagram and everything. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'll leave you to it. Okay. I'll see you when you yeah. love you. Sorry, got interrupted there. <laughs> nice interruption. <laughs> but yeah, so um, and, and we've we, we're starting to build custom built motorcycles. But with motorcycles, you've got dirt bikes and then you've got uh, road bikes. If I take a road bike for what it's made for to you know perform on a, on a, like on a racetrack, and I go and take it out in the dirt, it's not going to perform. Mm. Whereas I, if if I take a dirt bike out in the dirt, that's you're going to have a ball. If I conversely bring the dirt bike onto a racetrack, it's never going to keep up with a, with a race bike. So if you actually utilize the object for what it's built for, it's going to maximize its potential. We know God's made us. 
he he wired us he knows chad he knows brett he knows frank he knows wally yeah he knows what we're made for so if we surrender to him and say okay lord what did you make me for Hmm. let me do that and when you do that you'll find fulfillment you'll you'll be naturally gifted at it because that's how you're made you just find it flows out of you Hmm. You, you'll you'll have um you know you'll, you'll be satisfied you'll find satisfaction and and there'll be just a joy there and, and you're in your lane, you're in your groove. And so that was a message I wanted because so many guys are trying to figure out why am I here? What am I made for? So many guys are trying to find that approval that you spoke about, Chad, uh, in, in, you know, working on Wall Street and having a fat bank account and having a boat and a house and a car. And mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to do all that when really if you get into God's game plan for you, you'll find true satisfaction, true belonging, and and you and you will be naturally successful because you're doing what you're made to do, mm-hmm. and you'll fulfil your potential. So that's what I I really wanted. That, and in the heart of that is intimacy, man and God. Get intimate with God, and it's not turning up to church and filling a pew, mm-hmm. and not playing the game. It's uh, God put a mandate on me um, when I went through my own personal journey, which we may dive into. I don't know, but He said to me. Brett, I want you to build my church, build my men, bring my sons home. Mm. And, and in doing that, it's, it's bringing men back to a, an active, intimate, passionate relationship with God. And that's away from anything else, you and God, one-on-one time, every day, in the word and in worship and in prayer, just in, you know, interacting with mm-hmm. God because he's real, he's there, we know that. And from that, from that relationship will come the, the, the issues of life and, and the ministries and the things that God has made us to do. And, yeah, so it's like it, I wrote in the book, it's like he's the captain and coach of your team and, and he's, he's got the game plan and he knows what position you need to play. Mm-hmm. And if you just stick to the game plan, because he knows your opposition as well, stick to the game plan he's made for you and you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and from that, uh, that, that's that's the heart of the message of just getting men to be surrendered and intimate with God, mm. and and search search God, ask God to to lead you and guide you. And yeah, I think that's been um, dramatically lost, particularly in the church here in Australia. We we have you know I think it's seventy percent of churchgoers are female, um, and because men have simply just abdicated, oh whatever, they just sort of go along to get along. They don't get involved. They're not committed. Um, and, and oftentimes they're being pulled aside by many vices. Um, yeah, it's just time we woke everyone up and said, come on, guys, let's, you know, let, let's fulfill our potential because as my beautiful wife you just met, Teresa says, when a man is fulfilling his call, a woman feels comfortable and safe to fulfill hers. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That uh, it's a, That's a powerful quote. You know, the, the whole part of this is uh, is just really the reason why I wanted to talk to you today, because this is the message that I got from the book. And one of the things I would just kind of add in to, to what you're saying is uh, I'm just going to add a little nitro, you know, to what, what you just said. So now we're going to rev it up a little bit, even more. One of the things I think is really cool is when you put a man in that lane, when you, when you give him, or, or you basically, God gives him the reason why he was made and the tools as you talk about in game plan, when he sees that God has equipped him, called him, 
for the for for life's battles, a yeah. man will never walk away from that. Oh yeah, like yeah. It, it never Absolutely. because there's nothing like it. It's because yeah. when you when you combine identity and purpose, oh, you just want to yeah. live out of that. Oh yeah, and it's and and that's where passion flows. That's right. You know, how many times have we come across guys who are just existing? They're not living. Mm. Uh, there's no passion. They're like a dry piece of toast. It's like, ah, come on, man, wake up. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when when you get that that purpose and identity, oh my goodness, I mean that's that's a man on fire. You know, that's mm-hmm. like you said, that's a new kind of man, and that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what mm-hmm. the church needs. And um, yeah, we just we just need to. Uh, I think it's Kenny Luck, who's the men's pastor from Saddleback Church. He wrote a, a brilliant book that I, I read several years ago called um, Sleeping Giant. And he said, and the, the catchphrase on there is no, no move of God without the men of God. Mm. And, and that's so true. I mean, we've got women's ministries uh, and, and my, my home church, Hillsong, our, our senior pastors, uh, Brian and Bobby, uh, Bobby Houston has had color conference for women and championing the cause of women for the last 25 years, which is awesome. And we need it. And men need to support that. But yes. in the same time that's been growing, men's ministry over the years has been waning. Mm-hmm. Men have just gone, oh, well, let, let the girls do it. But it's not either or. We need it together. Mm-hmm. And when men find that purpose and identity, like you've just said, oh, mate, uh, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against mm-hmm. the army of the Lord. And gates are a defensive mechanism, which mm-hmm. means that the army of the Lord is on the offensive, not the defensive. Mm-hmm. Yet we, we seem to see guys mainly guys in Christianity always apologizing for being a Christian or being associated with church. It's like, come on, man, we've got, got to be on the offensive and not, not aggressively you know, judgmental like we see some people wrongly sure. doing and mm. hating on people. It's, it's confident, you know, the, the confidence of who we are and mm-hmm. what we have and what we have to offer mm-hmm. uh, those who, are, who don't know Christ, who are on a one-way road to destruction. They don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's the confidence without arrogance. You know, it's confidence yeah. in who they are, in the personhood of of being connected with God through Jesus, and then also doing the work of a man. I think that, uh, and again, this is my this is my opinion, and I've said this for a lot of years, and some people have disagreed with it along the way. But you know, it's one of those things. I think that the American church has the American church, and it sounds like also in Australia. Um, I'll just say the Western Church because I think they're yeah. that it's it's Very kind similar. of yeah that I, I think that with that we've almost given a pass to men to say oh this is for women women like do the, women like to do all this stuff yeah. what I want to see redefined is the the work done for men to reach men in spaces that that are designed for men yeah you give well, men permission yeah. to go out and you know, to, to go do things, you know, one of the, one of the things I talk about all the time and one of the pillars of my work, my pillar, the pillars of my work is based off of Luke two fifty two, that right. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with man, mm. but he grew in stature. So I draw from that physical strength or physical fitness. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think so much has, has honestly been kind of whitewashed within Western Christianity to where men don't even have permission to go to the gym. They don't have permission to be men, to be strong, to be vibrant, to box, to, you know, to, to do some sort of, uh, you know, martial arts or or combatives. It's like, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, well, I played rugby league uh, in and out of the boxing career. Um, so rugby league, if you know about that, it's, um, you know, our version of American football minus the pads. So <laughs> Pretty it's, much, it's, yeah. It's full on. Uh, but over the, the last, so I'm, I'm 47 now, but when I turned 40, I did my first Ironman triathlon. And um, I did that to raise awareness for our charity. And I thought I was going to do one. I ended up doing 13 of them. So, you know, being physically fit, um, I think is a huge thing because, you know, um, you look at Caleb. Caleb was 80. And he said when uh, they were dividing up the land, he he said to Joshua, go and give me my mountain and I'll take it. And I'm stronger today than what Mm. I was 40 years ago when you and I spied out this land. Bring it. Mm. you know, unfortunately, we, we one of the things exactly, Chad, I love how you said that. That's why we got into the custom motorcycles because it's like, it's the grease monkeys. It's the, it's the men, men do life and we bond side by side, shoulder to shoulder. Women right. bond and communicate face to face. So you look at the things that men are attracted to, fishing, surfing, cycling, watching sport, having a barbecue, working on a car. It's all shoulder to shoulder. It's all around a task mm-hmm. even when i was you know doing triathlon and i'd go rides and we in, in hillsong we got a huge cycling uh culture a lot of guys getting out there because their knees are shot but they can they can't run but they can cycle because there's no impact so mm-hmm. there'll be pelotons of guys every weekend of up to 30 blokes going out and going for a ride and it's amazing halfway through a 50 60 kilometer ride you know, you know 25 28 30 miles um Guys open up shoulder to shoulder. Mm. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Oh, had a had a fight with the missus last night. Shouldn't have said that. And you hear these conversations happening because we're side by side doing a task, mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder, and, and men open up. And that's why a lot of men don't like counselling because it's face to face and it's confrontational. And it's like, oh, I've got to get out of here. But if we can create, and that's why, like, we've my first ever annual men's gathering is going to be in August this year, mm. and. Uh, I just wanted to get a whole bunch of guys to go to the country away from the city. And that was going to be like 10 guys. And now it's, it's, we're up to about 250. (laughs) Wow. What we're doing is having a men's breakfast on the Saturday morning. And then we're breaking off and doing things like a a friend of mine's got a jet ski. So we're going to go jet skiing on the lake. Uh, Several men have got ski boats. So they're going to go skiing. Uh, A couple of guys want to go fishing. So they're going to fish. Other guys are going to go cycling. We've got a whole bunch of motorcyclists. who are going to go for a ride. We've got, car enthusiasts who are into the hot rods and the rat rods they're going to go for a drive got another mate of mine who's into four-wheel driving so they're going to go some four-wheel driving and then we're all going to meet back for lunch so all these guys are going to do some things that they're they're into um you know they're they're, they're exactly what you said they're they're passion and 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 let men be men let you know Mm -hmm. let them build and uh you know formulate bonds and relationships around shared passion Mm -hmm. then we're going to come back and have lunch and just you know have a bit more fellowship then go and do some more activities then we're going to come back at a farm and have a giant bonfire and and just you know just fellowship around it and then those who want to are going to go shooting and hunting that night uh, for rabbits and foxes and so forth those who don't want to don't have to but there's nothing like that in australia at the moment nothing Mm -hmm. And, and it was like it's so easy. Just invite a whole bunch of guys and let's see what happens. Just take someone to actually lead into that. And like you said, you look at mainstream churches, oh, better not do that. It's, 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 it's a bit rugged. It's a bit rough, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, who, who says we have to be passive? I mean, I, I look at historically where Jesus was brought up in Bethlehem. 
oh, actually Nazareth, sorry, born in Bethlehem, brought up in Nazareth. Uh, and the translations, there's a lot of conjecture in it. They say he's a carpenter's son. Uh, many other translations say he was like the builder's son or the um, he was like more of a craftsman or a workman, not mm-hmm. so much a carpenter. But you look at Nazareth, Nazareth is, there's no forestry around there. There wouldn't have been timber. It was, he would have more than likely been more like a stonemason. Yes. And anyone who works with rock and stone, he would have had four arms the size of oak trees. He would have been a robust man. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, didn't, they don't have the, um, the electronic tools we've got now. Everything that Jesus would have done as a tradesman would have been physical hard labor. He would have been a solid man's man, you know, mm-hmm. with rough calloused hands and, you know, not the not the um the the portrayals we see in the you know Leonardo da Vinci paintings. <laughs> right, right, right. The very effeminate. Which leads into yeah. another thing I wanted to talk about. And I think that your perspective is gonna be very similar to uh to people in the United States. So um so in your opinion, how is masculinity under attack? Oh, massively. There is a, a female um, uh, reporter, uh, journalist in Australia, uh, Miranda Devine, and she's awesome. She's actually really good, very conservative. And she wrote an article about three years ago in our local newspaper in Sydney, Australia. So it's, it's kind of like the Washington Post version at Sydney Te- uh, Daily Telegraph. And it was, um, is, ma- is being male a crime? And, and she's not a Christian. Uh, and she wrote about how, Simply being male these days, you're automatically under attack. You're automatically a pervert. You're automatically, mm. um, you know, a wife basher. You're a you're a, you're a pig. You're a misogynist. Uh, automatically, as judged by the left wing media, and the left wing media are. It's funny because when we see elections like you guys are coming up with elections, our last federal election. Uh, England and their federal election, the silent majority have their way. And you look at it, America is under conservative leadership with Judeo-Christian values. Australia is under conservative leadership with Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. Great Britain is under you know, conservative leadership with Judeo-Christian values. And those nations where socialism and, and being anti-God ha- have come to the fore, um, they're, they're in a world of hurt. And wherever that type of Judeo-Christian leadership has been forefront I mean you look at America and its history it was founded on the uh, fundamentals of the gospel mm-hmm. um, you know the declaration of independence and all that it, it just shows that that's where favor is and, and the vast majority of the population of Western society want to hold to those values yet we've got this left-wing media they've got a loud microphone but they're a minority because mm-hmm. if they were the majority we'd all be socialist nations but people don't want socialism so we see that it is under attack and masculinity is one of those things where the rise of feminism, the Me Too movement, it's all about man bashing, uh, being men are all pigs. And, um, and you know, well, we celebrate International Women's Day and it's celebrated globally, which is awesome. And we should do that. And men should get behind that. But uh, something that I'm planning to do this year, and um, this is the first time I've ever made it public, so a bit of an exclusive for you, Chad. <laughs> awesome. November 19 is the International Men's Day and mm. it's been around since 1996. And um, in Australia, nothing happens. People don't even know it exists. So we're actually having a ride day. We're going to get our Murray Brawler motorcycles and we're going to have a gathering and we're going to celebrate men. And one of those celebrations is men standing up for equal rights for women. So yeah. men championing 
I mean, as Edward Lewis Cole said, it's a man's role and responsibility to guide, guard and govern, direct, correct, protect, cherish, nourish, admonish mm-hmm. their families and women. So men have got to stand up and be that strong leader. And, you know, we had a classic example uh, several years ago when we had our first female Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, and she attacked our then opposition leader, Tony Abbott. Now, Tony Abbott was a, a very conservative man from a Catholic background, and she did the famous, you're a misogynist and I'm not going to put up with your misogyny. All he was doing was what he does to any other opposition was attacking their policies and holding them to account. And she didn't have an answer for her reckless mm-hmm. spending or her crazy policies that had no budget behind them. So she flipped it and said, you're attacking me because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And the world jumped on it and said, oh, yeah, he's a misogynist. Look at him. He's shaking his head and he's turning away. And how disrespectful. Mm-hmm. The guy had been doing that to every other opposition opponent he'd ever had. But because she was a woman, she flipped it. It's like, well, if you want equal rights, you've got to have equal combat, you know, in a political mm-hmm. realm. You can't have your cake and, you know, you want equal rights, but don't do that. You know, if you want equal rights, you want equal rights. And so she flipped it and the left just jumped all over it and said, yeah, men are disrespectful and all that. And 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 that blew up and, and men just started thinking, oh, I can't say anything. I can't, I can't do anything. And, and, and because men don't want to be failures, we don't want to fail at anything. So better not to try. So let's just yeah. step back. And you see this has been influencing male culture throughout the Western world where, um, yeah, the, like I always go back to the team analogy. Not everyone can be a quarterback. If you want the team to win, you've got to have your blockers. You've got to have your halfbacks mm-hmm. and your fullbacks and your wide receivers. You've got to have your offensive team and your defensive team working in unison. If mm-hmm. What if, what if the, you know, the guy right in the front, um, you know, the main blocker says, I don't feel like blocking this play. I want to be the quarterback, so I'm just going to stand here. The quarterback's going to get creamed and the team's going to lose ground. So Mm -hmm. everyone has a role to play. And men and women have roles to play in family and in life. It doesn't mean one's greater than the other. It doesn't mean one can't do the other when there's time for it. But if we all play our role, then the team wins. And Mm -hmm. I think we've got to get back to those sort of values. Um, I mean, Jesus was, you know, huge when it came to um, empowering women. Uh, but but he, he never said one was better than the other. Together, we all achieve more. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the analogy for team. So mm-hmm. uh, together, everyone achieves more. So I think ma- masculinity is being under attack. And unfortunately, John Bevere says this so well. He says that tolerance has never been put forward as a virtue in the scriptures. Uh, I think the church, by and large, has tolerated a lot of this thinking and let it seep into the church and the little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, we've just, as a, as a body of Christ, we've allowed the world's system of thinking to influence us. And then so men have just gone, oh, well, we're just going to take a backward step. And, you know, and we find ourselves in a very emasculated church now. Mm-hmm. And um, men, men are just saying, well, what's my role to play? I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. You know, and that's where, again, comes back to game plan. They get back into intimacy with God and he will speak to you through the word what you, what he wants you to do and do that. You say in the book that, that men of God need, need four things. You say conviction, courage, calling, and confession. Why did you choose those? Certainly it's not because they all begin with C. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> to be honest, a friend of mine who's uh, one of our senior pastors, um, 
preached a message and um, and the message just spoke to me and it really and he spoke about the difference between being a man's man or a god man mm-hmm. and um, and and in his message I asked him I said look that's just perfect for the book I'm writing right now can I utilize that can I pull from that and he said yeah sure so I'm, I'm not going to take credit for it being my original thought process mm-hmm. but um, it just fit perfectly because you know uh, a man's man has comparison, competition, conformity, and conceit. They're the four things. And we're always in, we, we fall into comparison. That's the worst game that anyone can play because if mm-hmm. you compare you to someone else, as we spoke about before, Chad, you, you, if you f- sit in your lane, then comparing you to someone else is, is ridiculous because they're living a different lane. I say this mm-hmm. when I'm speaking all the time, comparing, we do it on Instagram. Instagram's probably one of the biggest utilised uh, social media platforms at the moment. And what do we look at, uh, and I've heard other preachers share this as well, but what do we look at when we see someone's Instagram feed? We're looking at a fake Photoshopped filtered image that someone else wants you to believe that mm-hmm. their life is. It's it's a showreel. And, mm-hmm. and we as human beings naturally look at the negative. So we look at our outtakes, our bloopers, our, our stuff that we put on the cutting room floor, mm-hmm. and we compare that to someone else's showreel. And that's like comparing apples and pineapples. Why mm-hmm. is this apple not a pineapple? Because it's not. And you're comparing the incomparable. And we know that we are unique. Uh, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we're also unique. There's mm-hmm. three characteristics that every human being has that are uniquely theirs. That's their retinal scan, their DNA strand, and their fingerprint. That makes you unique. There's no one like you before this time in history or since. Mm-hmm. So if you're unique and you can't be well, the, the definition of being unique is incomparable. You can't be compared to anything. Yet the world wants us to compare. Mm-hmm. And we're being fed this through social media. So when we as men look at another guy's, he's got a Lamborghini Hurricane or he's got this sick Harley or an awesome house or he's got this beautiful bride or uh, look, look at the suit that he wears, look at the watch that he has, we always compare what someone else has to what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And when you play that game, you, you're always going to lose. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then there's competition, obviously. We're, we're, we're competitive by nature. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, competing as in sport uh, because sure. you're, you're pitting your skills against each other. But when it's competition as in status, yes. are they better than me trying to get your value? That's mm-hmm. where, again, it, it's, it's, a, it's another offshoot of comparison. Mm-hmm. And then you've got conformity the world wants us to conform sometimes we 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 go along to get along we just Mm -hmm. want to fit in and so men conform i know so many guys who are a godly men but they'll hang out with a bunch of guys who then start talking uh very uh inappropriately and and then they 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 pass they might be at a a local pub or a nightclub and then they next thing you know they're oh, let's just go down to the red light district and then mm-hmm. they go in, oh, we're just going to watch the strippers and oh, it's, it's okay because you're not touching anything and so they want to fit in, they go along to get along, they're conforming when everything in their being is screaming, no, get out of there. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, another thing. And then obviously conceit. Um, I think conceit is obviously the, another form of pride and pride we know comes before a fall mm-hmm. and, uh, and obviously it also masks our vulnerability as well. We don't want to admit that we haven't got it all together. So they're the things of the world that a man's man has. And, um, you know, those, those four things of conviction, courage, calling, and confession, you know, conviction, you, you don't conform. You know, you know, your convictions are the non-negotiables mm-hmm. where no matter what. That's I'm your core. 
yeah, exactly. That's your core. That, like, that's just non-negotiable. Um, courage. We need courage to stand up for our convictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes courage sometimes to say help, and a lot of men need that. Uh, mm-hmm. Calling, again, finding who you are and what you're made to do, your game plan, uh, will help you not compare, not to, not to conform. Um, and, and it's actually funny because when you know what you're called to do, there's a humility that comes with it because you know it's not you, it's God working through you. Yeah. And so you give all glory to God. And then the last one is confession. Be, be a, a man who is not afraid to say what he believes and, and, and confess that core and speak it out. Speak your mind, you know, the truth in love. We don't have to, like you said before, how did you say it, Chad? It was a beautiful saying that you said about um, not being uh, judgmental or, oh, you said it beautifully before in the beginning of the interview. I don't know. <laughs> it was awesome. It was it's like <laughs> just, just being humble but you know anyway uh yeah that that confession of your mouth um you know we know that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that jesus christ is lord you'll Mm. be saved so sticking that and that's the difference between a a man's man and a god's man you see the, the 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 turmoil and the and just the the energy it takes to be a man's man Mm-hmm. And and the battle you're always you're always putting out fires. Whereas if you become a God's man with those four characteristics, conviction, courage, calling, and confession, um, those are the sort of like guideposts that will help you live a fulfilling life as mm-hmm. a man. You know, I, I I looked at these and I was really drawn to really I was drawn to two of them. I was drawn to courage and calling and yeah. I was drawn to courage. I, I love the the story of Joshua. That's like my favorite book of the old Testament. Yeah. It's amazing to me that he was, I mean, he was somebody who, who took part partially in a lot of amazing things as he was just kind of an understudy of Moses. Yeah. And then when Moses, you know, is no longer going to be the leader and he dies and then Joshua then takes the leadership, what's the very first thing? And it's, I think it's repeated right in chapter one of Joshua one. It's, yeah. In, yeah, I think verses eight and nine, where it says, be strong and courageous, be very strong and courageous. I think it says it three times and I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, he's a normal guy like the rest of us because he's not like some super spiritual guy. He's like, he, God's reminding him, be strong and courageous because this work that I have for you is yeah. going to be a daunting work and you're going to be leading people. Now we're yeah. not, you know, we're, we're neither one of us and probably no one in, who's going to be listening to this is leading an army into yeah. battle. But at the end of the day, uh, in, in, into a physical battle, but we yes. are, if we're men of God, we're leading ourselves and our families in a spiritual yeah. battle. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So it takes yeah. Things it takes that calling to know. Okay, this is who I am. That's the identity piece, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like I'm called because if you're yeah. of the world, you're not called by God. Yeah, that's right. But if you're a man of God, you're called by God. So there's yeah. an identity there. That's you're you're a son. It's sonship. It, you know, you're adopted is what it says. What Paul says in the New Testament. But like yeah, having that, and then that's your calling. And now that is the thing that also fuels our courage to go out and be the men and leaders and husbands and dads and you know community leaders and church leaders that uh, that the world needs yeah and and that's something that i really did want to put in game plan is that we do have an opposition and it's something that in my limited knowledge of the western church is by and large not spoken about we don't 
speak about the devil. Now, we don't want to, you know, get scared, but we also need to understand that um, Jesus, you know, confronted him face to face. You know, the devil's mentioned so many times in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to know that we do have an opposition. Now, we know the end of the book says that we win, but there's battles to face along the way. Now, I love how our conversation has been centered on God because that's where the power comes from. Mm-hmm. But we are called to overcome. I mean, Peter wrote, you know, uh, the, the devil, uh, be vigilant, be on your guard, because the devil mm-hmm. roams around like a roaring lion, mm-hmm. seeking him to devour. He's yep. talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. And, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord. Like these are, th- these are scriptures spoken to Christians. So we've got to know that we, we've got a spiritual enemy out there who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mm-hmm. only focus. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't get thirsty. He doesn't get fatigued. He has no other distractions. That's his entire focus. And when we understand that, you know, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I love that scripture where it says, um, submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil and he must flee. Now I've heard that scripture misquoted where they just go, resist the devil and he must flee. If we actually look at our, um, our enemy, uh, you look at all the descriptions of Satan, Lucifer, and who he was and how he was created. He was like one of the anointed cherub. He was like one of the head archangels. He was mm-hmm. created perfect in beauty, wisdom, knowledge, and stature. When he when he moved, music was made. Like this this thing, this being were, became deceived, but even in his deception, thought that he could be like God. Like. Mm-hmm. We can't even comprehend what this is, but this guy thought, hang on a minute, I'm going to take on God Almighty. He was in God's presence, and he then he decided, I'm going to try and take him out. How powerful must this being be? Mm-hmm. He gets cast down with a third of the angels. We know all that through Scripture, but he's, he's not bound up in the abyss. He's out roaring around, roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking mm-hmm. him in made of our right now even though the keys of death and hell have been taken off him because Jesus won that victory at the cross, the final destruction of Satan hasn't happened yet. So he's out there trying to take as many Mm -hmm. of God's children with him as he can. So we need to be aware of this. We need to be, okay, well, how do I fight someone who I I can't naturally fight on my own? Mm -hmm. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Mm -hmm. When you're submitted to God, God's grace, God's ability, passion, and power to do in and through you what you could never do mm-hmm. is available. So then you can resist the devil and he must flee because you are submitted to God. It all comes back to that relationship with God mm-hmm. and having that intimacy and knowing your word, the sword of the spirit. What did Jesus do when he was confronted with Satan in the desert? He quoted the word. He knew mm-hmm. the word inside out. And that's why, I, I, the, again, the message from Game Plan is to get men surrendered and intimate with God and that surrender can have a negative connotation because we just think surrender in the world's view but when you surrender into the loving arms of God it's like it's like the uh the old famous poem footprints Mm -hmm. we all know that poem but God wants to carry you through the hard times he's the one who will Mm -hmm. never leave you nor forsake you he's not going to go oh well you know you've made your bed sleep in it Mm -hmm. if we will always come back to him and stay with him then the stumbling will be less and less. We're humans. We're going to make mistakes. Mm. But the more you spend time with him, the less stumbling you do and the more you live in victory. Mm. And the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I mean, 
that's just not a nice little thing to stick on your refrigerator at home. That's something we can actually live out. Mm-hmm. And when men do that, when we dive in and, and do that, oh, we're going to see men live it in victory emotionally, physically, uh, you know, materialistically, mm-hmm. relationally. Um, and, and we're called to be the head and not the tail. These are not just nice sayings. These are truths that we are called to live and be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, um, it's exciting times ahead, I think. I think so too. One of the things I wanted to talk about too is we're kind of we're kind of dialing down the podcast yeah. now. One of the things that that you talk about, and you actually just quoted this passage from John ten ten. You said that, yeah. that the thief, and of course the thief is Satan. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that scripture, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah. you draw out, and, and a lot of times I think that that scripture, those of us who, who are Christians or just have some knowledge of the Bible, we look at that and we say, oh, okay, yeah, probably. Mm. You know, and, or, <laughs> or maybe we ignore that part and then get into the rest of John 10, 10 where yeah. it talks about, you know, how we can have life to the full, those who are surrendered yes. to God. You know, we kind of look at, the, the, at that part of it and say, yes, this is who I am, while ignoring mm. the thief. Mm. But what you talk about is this, and the reason why I'm... I'm I'm going to kind of tee it up in this way, Brett, is if you're a listener today and you're listening to this and and I want you to hear this verse, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Brett adds three different values Mm -hmm. to these words, steal, kill, and destroy. And I just want you to know that if you ever, as, as what Brett says in the book, the thief comes to steal, meaning to steal your mission, to kill, to kill your vision, and to yeah. destroy your value. So if you if you as a man have you if you've ever felt undervalued as a person, if you've ever lost vision on your life and you you got to a hopeless state, or if you've ever just lost purpose, like I just don't know what to do. I want here's the here's the big aha. I hope I'm I'm not giving all this away, Brett. This was so good from the book. But but if you if you're listening right now and you've ever had those things happen to your life, I just want you to know that is Satan at work on your life, and he's trying to take away something that God is trying to give. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've got to understand, Chad, that he is relentless. Mm. He doesn't stop. And, you know, we need rest. We need peace. We need sleep. We need food. He doesn't. He is relentless. And I don't think that many men understand how much Satan hates us mm. with a vengeance. We are made in the image and likeness of God. So every time he looks at a human he's reminded of what Jesus did to him and what he can never have. We get to worship God. We, we get to live in relationship with God. We get to praise the name of Jesus. Mm. Satan wanted that and he can't have it. Mm-hmm. So he's viciously, jealously, violently opposed to us. Mm. And, yeah, he wants to steal, kill and destroy our mission, vision and value. He wants to – he he literally wants to um, – I mean, I looked at the, um, the, the, the Greek words in the translation, when, and I think I'll break that down in, in the book, where it, to still kill and destroy, to, the word kill means to literally slaughter with passion. He wants to slaughter us with passion physically. Hmm. And I don't know if anyone's ever had someone who wants to kill them, but oh, I haven't. But when I, when I wrap my mind around that from a spiritual perspective, it's like mm-hmm. no wonder my life has been under attack so many times. Mm-hmm. And it's just having that spiritual awakening and awareness. And, you know, it comes from intimacy with God and being intimate with the word. So, yeah, it all comes back to that fundamental. We've got to, we've got to be intimate with God. That's right. To get in God's game plan. Yeah. Right? 
to, to get yeah, on board. Absolutely. With absolutely. So, so let me, uh, I just want to give you the last word, just, you know, give an encouragement maybe to that guy who's, who's trying to figure these things out. Maybe this guy is, you know, he's a, a new dad trying to figure out life and being a new dad is his life rhythm. I mean, all of our rhythms are upside down right now because the virus, yeah. but it's like the rhythm of his life is upside down. Maybe he's married and got a child or two. He's trying to figure out how do I go forward and be the man that I can be? How would you encourage him, Brett? Uh, it, it, it seems simple, but it is profound. Surrender to God. Like just, just surrender to him and say, okay, Lord, you made me, you created me. I want to do what you want to do. It's as simple as that. I mean, if you haven't, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, Lord means ruler of life, and that means every single area of your life. Surrender to him. And please, please, please get into your word. Don't just have your Bible as a nice ornament on the shelf collecting dust. It has to be opened and read every single day. Uh, it's spiritual food for us. As much as we, how many times do you eat during the day? Uh, three, four, five times, six times? If you want to maintain a healthy, balanced lifestyle, you've got to fuel your body. Well, many of us are spiritually anemic because we're not feeding our spirit and soul on the word of God. Surrender to God, get into his word and, and just listen because God's always speaking and he has a game plan for you. He loves you. He is for you, not against you. He will never leave you. He will never reject you. And you have value. You have meaning. You have purpose. And you have identity in Christ, which no one, no man can take away from you. So that would be my encouragement. Just lean into God because he's, he's there waiting. Like the, product, the story of the prodigal son, the father went to the gate every day expecting to see his son return. And when he saw his son in a filthy, messed up state, the father didn't reject him and abuse him and, you know, be cynical. He ran to him and fell on his neck and hugged him and kissed him and embraced him. And no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, God is always there waiting for you. Well said. Well, Brett, it's been a privilege and an honor having you on. I'm encouraged. I know that everybody listening is going to be encouraged by what they heard. And hopefully they pick up your book. Your book was fantastic. I encourage all the guys to get it. I've actually already put that on my Instagram, I think a couple of times when I originally got the book, started into it. I was like, you've got to read it. I did it again today. Uh, and, uh, and I'll put all that in the show notes as well. So I just want to say thank you uh, for coming on and taking time out of your day to invest in all of us. Uh, my pleasure and absolute honor to be part of the new kind of man podcast and to uh, be with you, Chad. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. Bless you, mate. Thanks for listening to the new kind of man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement, and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend, and please leave us a review. Also, consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create. Act. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.